Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Hey, listen, if you've never tuned into Solutions from the Huddle before, which is powered by Collaborative Solutions Group, let me just first and foremost say thank you so much. Uh, there's only like, I think, five podcasts in the whole world. So there's not a lot of options. I get it. You, you couldn't have gone anywhere else to listen to something. And we're just so excited that you picked us. Of course, that is a joke. There's only about 7 billion podcasts. And I'm just really grateful that you are making time in your busy life to listen to ours. Um, if you're a regular of the show, you already know, but we have another amazing guest today, a well-accomplished person of significance, somebody who has been there and done that, and they want to tell us about it. And I can't wait to take some notes. I hope you are excited as well. Before I introduce our new best friend today, our new guest to the show, uh, we start every show here at Solutions from the Huddle the exact same way. And uh, so we might as well do it this time as well. And that's in prayer. Uh, So Lord, we just ask that you bless the show, our guests, our sponsors, just everyone and everything involved. Uh, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. So check it out. Today we have Terry Tucker. Now, Terry has been an NCAA Division I basketball player, uh, a Citadel. uh, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm going to mess the word up. A Citadel, help me out, Terry. Cadet. 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 Oh, my goodness. He's been a marketing executive, a hospital administrator. And here's the really cool part. When I read this, I thought, am I sure I want to do the show with him? Okay. An undercover narcotics investigator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator. I mean, the guy is bringing the heat, ladies and gentlemen. And if that's not enough, he's also been a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker and author, um, most recently a cancer warrior. This guy is amazing. And I can't wait to learn more about Terry, our new best friend. Terry, I know you're busy. I know you're well accomplished and I know you could be on anyone's show. Man, I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle. Well, thank you, Titus. I'm really excited to be here and to talk with you today. Yeah, this is awesome. And uh, and I got to tell you, you can tell I'm a little intimidated by that because I got to tell you, I, I don't know in the last 300 introductions did I get tongue-tied um, over introducing someone, but I am so in love with, seriously, I'm a sports fan, so I see that you've got sports roots. Um, I absolutely love the coaching aspect, right? I mean, real-world coaching, uh, being a business and life coach. Um, you know, obviously, there's some carryover between the folks that, that coach athletes. This show, Terry, started um, on a, a small little radio program called uh, ESPN uh, is where we started Solution from the Huddle. So we had lots of sports folks. Um, but then also, I mean, oh, my goodness, a published author, motivational speaker, a SWAT team hostage. That, we are going to be asking you questions that will touch 97 different topics today. The good news is, Terry, you'll actually be able to have something to say on all those topics. Where in the world did this come from? Give us a journey of like the, the origin stories of who is an extremely accomplished person today. Sure. So I'll try to give you the, the Reader's Digest version. I was born and raised in Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from looking at me, but I'm <laughs> six foot eight inches tall. 
and I played college basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. And my my claim to fame is that I actually got to play against Michael Jordan when he he was a wow. freshman at North Carolina. I was a senior at the Citadel. I have another brother who's six foot seven who was a pitcher at Notre Dame, and my middle brother is six foot six and was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the National Basketball Association. And then my dad was six five. So I always joke about. If you sat behind our family in church growing up, not a prayer's <laughs> chance you were going to see anything that was going on whatsoever. That's but, you know, awesome. my, our five foot eight inch mother was the one who ruled the roost. Didn't matter how big and strong we were. Whatever mom said, that's the way it went. So when I graduated from the Citadel, I moved home to find a job. I'm really going to date myself now, but this was long before the Internet was available. And I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And I kind of look back now and realize what a knucklehead I was to think <laughs> I knew anything about business just because I had a degree. Yeah. Fortunately, I was able to find that first job. It was in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain, in their marketing department. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as they helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. You mm. kind of very eloquently uh, went over my resume, so I, I won't get into that. We can talk more about that in a minute. Uh, but then finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is a lieutenant oh. in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Oh, wow. Well, our thanks to to uh, her service. And, and I got to tell you, at the time of this taping, um, you know, one of the one of the wonderful things about podcast is folks are going to re-listen to this dozens of times. It's going to be listened to for forever. And so there's really, uh, you know, you think, oh, gosh, you got to be careful to make it evergreen. The truth of the matter is, is, is it's going to be applicable right when the person's when they listen to it. That was the time. And so I love that about this medium. But um, but man, what a what a challenging time in our culture and in society and uh, society today. Uh, if there was ever um, a, a, a hesitation about just being completely sold out for the men and women that serve our country, if there was ever, if there was ever like a, you know a, a, a quiet gratitude, this is the time to ratchet it up and just be so grateful and so appreciative. And so I know that I probably um, am just one of many, many, many people that extend gratitude and love to to your daughter and to all the folks that serve our country. So thank you. Please make sure she knows that. I will do that. Um, thank you. I want to know what, what it was like to play against Michael Jordan. Did you know, um, and to be quite honest, Terry, I want to get to the part of what you're doing today, right? I and mean, we're going to, we're going to talk about your past, but, sure. but I know you've got a book. There's so many ways that folks can connect with you today. And I want to make sure we build that bridge uh, for the audience. But did you know you were playing against Michael Jordan? Did you know in the moment, like this is somebody special or was it just another guy with, with shorts that were way too short? Let's just way, be way too right? short. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> well, you know, it, it's funny because they used to have uh, a tournament. It was a, it was kind of a round Robin on a Friday and Saturday night at the Charlotte Coliseum. And they called it the North South doubleheader. And they took two teams from North Carolina, which happened to be North Carolina and North Carolina state and two teams from South Carolina, which were the Citadel and Furman. And we were, you know, North Carolina, North Carolina State, the same conference, Citadel and Furman in the same conference. So we didn't play each other. We played the opposite team. So Friday night, this is 1982, Michael Jordan's freshman year. No, we did not know he was the Michael Jordan that he would become. However, North Carolina won the national championship that year. 
And then Saturday night, I'm playing against Jim Valvano and the North Carolina State team, who in 1983 won the national championship. So in the course of a weekend, I got to play against two national championship teams. But the really funny story about Jordan is, fast forward, say, 15, 18 years, my brother, the one who pitched at Notre Dame, is a basketball coach in Chicago at Loyola Academy and coached both of Michael Jordan's sons. And he, oh, wow. he always tells the story. So one day I'm at practice, toward the end of practice, and I'm trying to teach the kids a play. And I look up, nobody's paying attention to me whatsoever. So I look where the kids are looking, and they look over at the door. And Jordan had come into the gym as a parent to pick up his kids after practice. It was not a, a basketball-related injury or, or uh, issue. Issue. Yeah. So my brother says to him, it's like, hey, uh, Michael, you know, you're a little bit of a distraction. Would you mind <laughs> stepping out in the hall? And, and Jordan was a super guy. He and his wife were both super. They didn't helicopter try to coach my brother or anything like that. So Jordan steps out. And my brother thought, you know, I'm probably the only coach that's ever kicked Michael Jordan out of practice. So, <laughs> you know, just yeah. a great story. And, and what Jordan a cool was, story. like I said, great guy. I love it, man. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, you know, we, we've had... Um, We've had lots of basketball players on the show and, and football players. And, and you know, we, we, we've not had nearly as many folks that uh, were involved in law enforcement, but, but there are some uh, correlations and, and dots that are connected. There's some overlap of, of mental fortitude. Um, I, I know that you are a person that, that believes very deeply um, in, in mindset and, uh, and positioning yourself for mental toughness. And, you know, when the clock's ticking down uh, or you're in the middle of, uh, of a negotiation of any kind, especially in, in, in hostage situations, um, there's some overlap between the two individuals. And, and, and really what I want to ask of you is, number one, there's not a lot of folks that master those, those skill sets. Um, and I think there may be even few people that master them in multiple ways, in multiple industries. How did you know that those were some talents of yours, that mental fortitude, that attention to detail, that ability to calm the storm in the midst of yourself so you can take the right action? How did you, how did you master that? And then how in the world did you go, I'm going to wash, rinse, and repeat it in this industry, this industry? How, how, those are two questions, and they're, they're big questions, but I'm sure you got a good answer. Well, yeah, I, well, I hope I have a good answer. I, I guess I learned early on when, when I was in high school, I had three knee surgeries and I, you know, I was very good and I don't mean to be conceited, but, you know, I, I was a very good basketball player in middle school and high school. And, and then I had these three, these three knee surgeries. And when I went back playing, my brain started, you know, putting these little thoughts in my mind, like, you know, you're probably a step slower and coaches aren't probably going to be interested in recruiting you to come and play for their, for their colleges or the universities. And so I've got the, this negative, you know, these negative thoughts going into my mind. And, you know, your brain can hold one thought at a time. Why mm. would you make that a negative thought? So I learned very early on that when those negative thoughts happen, that you need to flip the switch. You need to say, uh-uh. I'm still playing at an elite level, even after three knee surgeries, and coaches are still contacting me, you know, to come and, and play for their universities. So what you're saying, mind, brain, whatever, it's not true. So you need to flip that switch. But I've also read articles that say, you know, 60 to 70,000 thoughts go through our head every day. 
So you need to be cognizant, one, that that negative stuff is there. And then two, when it happens, you need to just flip that switch and say, oh, absolutely not. I am still good. I am still playing at an elite level and I still need to move forward. And so I, I learned that, you know, at probably 14 or 15 years old. And then that just sort of carried out through all the different jobs and things that I had. And, you know, if you kind of look at my resume, I've got these two business jobs, Wendy's Marketing and, and Hospital Administration. And then I have my passion, which was law enforcement. But my grandfather was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954. So he was in Chicago during Prohibition when alcohol was outlawed, during the Great Depression in the 30s, and during you know, the gang time with Al Capone shooting the city up and things like that. And he was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. Wasn't a serious injury. He was shot in the ankle. But my dad always remembered, or he doesn't remember, but the stories that my grandmother told of the knock on the door, Mrs. Tucker, grab your son, your husband's been shot, and come with, with us. So when I said, I'd like to go into law enforcement, my dad was like, oh, no, no, no. You're going to go to the Citadel. You're going to major in business. You're going to get a job. You're going to get married, have 2.4 kids and live in the suburbs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> my dad had my whole life planned for me, but mm. it was the life my dad wanted me to live. It wasn't the life that I felt God put me on this earth to do. And so, you know, I had a choice. I graduated from college. My dad was sick. I, I didn't want to hurt him. And he wasn't trying to do these things to hurt me. He was trying to do them out of love, not certainly out of spite. So I got to the point where it was like, well, in order not to hurt him, I'll take these two jobs in business. They weren't my passion. I enjoyed them. I learned a lot. But I always kind of joke, I did what every good son did. I waited till my dad died. Then I followed my dreams. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I got to tell you, there is, there's so much to unpack in that for me. Like, and I and and maybe you know I I almost want to say I don't know if you realized but, but maybe you did but you also it seems like even in the midst of that that major fork in the road we're executing some of those life skills of mental fortitude and toughness um, and practicing patience and and this um, not giving up this idea of it's really hard to keep doing this thing that he wants me to do but I can do it a little bit longer. Right. I am not a, a health nut. We, this show is audio only. Uh, so, so most, but, but, but I've, I, you know, I, I've done a lot of videos, a lot of people know what I look like. And uh, so it's, it's funny, but they, I make hair jokes and weight jokes, right. I'm a big guy. I've got no hair, but, um, but I, I remember one time when I was doing a workout with a personal trainer, he said, uh, I, he had me doing this thing called planking which I think is somewhere between a root canal and, and the pit of hell. I, I think that's kind of where planking lives. And so I, we were two minutes in and, and I go, that's about it. That's all I got. And he goes, you can do anything for 60 more seconds. And it became this kind of this, this, this mantra of this is not easy. And in the, you're over here talking Terry about like, this isn't really what I wanted to do. And I kind of had an idea of my dream and passion. Um, but there's this level of self-sacrifice that says I can do this 60 more seconds. Um, and at the right time, uh, I'll make a shift. Even in that moment, you're executing that life skill. Did you know you were doing that? Uh, how did you, how'd you go 60 more seconds of planking uh, and, and honor your father in such a real and serious way? Yeah. I, 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 I guess it was by the grace of God in all honesty. I, I mean, mm. you know, I had a choice. 
I, I could have said, no, dad, sorry, I know you're sick. I know you're dying, but I'm going to go follow my dreams. But to me, it was more important. You know, my mom and dad, if, if they taught us anything, they taught us the value of family. You know, and, and I, I watched so many times that, you know, they would divide and conquer. You know, it's kind of like, OK, you know, I'm going over here with with this son to play, you know, at this game and you're going over here with this son to this game. And I remember when my dad was sick and I, I was he was really towards the end of his life. And he, he was I was drying his hair one night and he reached out his hand like he wanted to shake hands with me. And I thought, well, what the heck is going on here? So I shook hands with him and in the palm of his hand was a hundred dollar bill. And I looked at him like, what, what, what is this? And he's like, well, that's for all you do. I said, no. I said, now I feel like a prostitute. You know, yeah. I'm like, you and mom did so much for Larry, Brian, and I, you know, growing oh. up and, and got us to the point where, you know, we all went to college. We all have master's degrees. We played sports. I'm like, that's because of you. Now it's yeah. my turn to give back wow. to you. you. Now you need me. So you know what? I'm here. I'm here for as long as you need me three years, five years, 10 years, it doesn't matter. I'm here. And I threw the hundred dollars back and I said, don't ever do that to me again. Wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, what, a, I mean, how did he respond to that? I got to know. What, what, he did, what was he the- just took it and put it in his pocket. I mean, I think he knew <laughs> I, it made him feel good because I mean, my dad was, as I, he was six foot five, 250 pounds. I mean, I always say he was kind of like Fonzie from Happy Days. You know, he never <laughs> hit us, but there was always the threat that if he did, he'd kill you. You know, yeah. I mean, he was just a big man. So sure. Yeah. My my mother was uh, like four ten, but she had a look. She, she had a look and, and, a, and a, she used to wear these little slide flip flops and she'd take one off and frisbee that thing across the room. If you tried to make a run for it, I, I want to take just a quick, uh, just a really quick break here on the other side of this break, though. Um, I, I really want I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued, Terry. I want to know about uh, the, your most recent book, Sustainable excellence. Okay. This is the 10 principles to uh, living your uncommon and extraordinary life. That's that, that's a, uh, a big deal. I want to know about that, but give me just a second. We always want to just pause for a moment and just say thank you to the, uh, the wonderful partners and sponsors that stand alongside solutions from the huddle. Um, it's pretty amazing. And, and if you go to team-csg.com, that's team-csg.com, you can click on the Solutions from the Huddle uh, tab and you can see all the logos of these wonderful businesses that believe in uh, getting folks like uh, like our friend here, Terry, on the program and, and hearing their stories so that every listener can jot down the strategies and tips to advance their life personally and professionally. So folks like Speedy Oil Chains, Shepherd Law, MS Digital Solutions, there's a lot of them. Just go to team-csg.com, click on a logo. It'll take you directly to their website. And uh, we would not stand next to their brand if it wasn't worth standing next to. So please do that. Uh, We're talking with Terry right here. That's Terry Tucker right here on Solutions from the Huddle. And Terry is the author of sustainable excellence, 10 principles to living your uncommon and extraordinary life. Terry, I want to know a little bit about this book. Why'd you write it? What's it about? And why do we need to stop what we're doing? Hit pause on the podcast and, uh, and get a copy right away. So the, the book was really born out of two conversations I had. One was with a former player of mine uh, who had moved to Colorado with her fiance and my wife and I had had dinner with her. And I remember saying to her one night, you know, I'm really excited that you're living close and I can watch you find and live your purpose. She got real quiet for a while. 
she kind of looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on this earth and then living that reason. So that was one conversation. The other conversation was with a young man in college who reached out to me and wanted to know what I thought were the most important things that he should learn to not just be successful in his job or in business, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. They are. They're extremely important. But I kind of felt they'd been done. I wanted to see if I could give him something that really went deeper, maybe got into his soul or his heart. And so I took some time, wrote some notes, and eventually I had these 10 principles and I sent them to him. And then I sort of stepped back and I was like, you know, I got a life story that fits under this principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates that principle. So literally I had my leg amputated in April of 2020, started chemotherapy for the tumor in my lungs in June of 2020. And during that three-month period or so that I was healing, I sat down at the computer and I wrote stories underneath each of the principles. And that's how sustainable excellence came to be. And then once it was released, I, I'd never written a book before or anything like that. You know, I was like, I got, I got to sell books. I got to sell books. I got to sell books. And, and I had a best-selling author over in the United Kingdom who I connected with, who kind of pulled me aside. He said, you're totally missing the point here. Your job is not to sell books. Your job is to help people. If you help people, book selling will take care of itself. And I was so glad that he said that to me because I didn't write the book to make money or to get famous. Wrote the book to make a difference in people's lives. And, and I think I've done that by doing podcasts like this and things like that. I had an 87-year-old man who bought the book. I had no idea who he was. Bought the book, read it, and then reached out to me and said, you know, if I'd had these principles when I was younger, I would have had a much better life. So I figured I was on to something there. Wow. That's special. Um, man, I love it. I really do. I even like the cover of the book where it, 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 there's these stones, kind of like the pathway. Yeah. Um, there's a verse in, in, in the word of God in Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 12, 28, it says that in the way of righteousness is life and, and in its pathway, there is no death. And so I love that that almost this pathway if, if you walk it, and I don't know, I didn't count exactly. It'd be cute if there were 10 stones, but it's just this cool. Oh man, I love it. So intentional, but it looks like this beautiful pathway. Um, and, and, and these principles are the stepping stones. It looks like great artwork, man. I absolutely love it. I, I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I, I'm actually excited about getting a copy. Uh, t- t- tell everybody where you'd like for them to go to get it. I mean, I see that it's on Amazon, but is there a particular place or just anywhere books are sold? Pretty much anywhere books are sold online. You can get it at barnesandnoble.com. You can get it on Apple iBooks. Pretty much anywhere you can get a book online, you can get Sustainable Excellence. Yeah, Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Do you have enough time, uh, Terry, to give us one or two of those principles? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, help us with that. Sure. So it's, it's always fun for me because when people read the book, there's always one principle that's, that gets them. You know, it's like they, they gravitate towards it. And I, I, I love it and because the, their principles are not in any order. You know, one is not any more important than four or anything like that. But everybody has one that they, they gravitate to. And the one that, that I like the most is, is this one. And, and each principle is a chapter. It's most people think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. And I know I've done that. I, I've done it in my life, and, and I always tell young people today 
especially. You know, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that, that's burning for you to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because mm. at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by that time, it's going to be too late to go back and do that. So, so that's one that I really like. Um, when I was a negotiator, the, the, I, I talk, there's another one that has to do with listening. And it, it, when I was a negotiator, it was much different than being a, a beat cop. You know, a beat cop, you're answering the radio, you're giving somebody a ticket or something. That's all face to face. You see what's going on. I mean, and if people, you know, if they're looking around, maybe they're going to run. If they're balling up their fists, maybe they want to fight you. And you can do something about it. You can handcuff them. You can put them, sit them down, put them in your car, whatever's appropriate. But when we were negotiating, that person wasn't there with us. They, they were either behind a, a door or maybe down the street, barricaded in a house. So we had to figure things out based on what people were saying, what mm. they weren't saying, and how they were saying it. And there are many times when we'd spend two hours over here talking about whatever, when the real problem was over here. And we had never even gotten to that yet because this person needed to burn off that energy. And one of the things I learned as a negotiator was the importance of listening, but not listening to respond listening to understand. You know, you and I are having a conversation. If I'm like, all right, hurry up, Titus, go ahead, say what you're going to say, because I want to get my two cents in there. That's listening to respond. That's not listening to say, all right, what did Titus say? Wait a minute. Let's talk about that. Where are you coming from with your opinions, with your ideas? And now we're having a dialogue. Now we're having a conversation. And I think if more people did that, we'd have a much better world. I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, Terry Tucker, the author of Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. You know, we live in a world where folks are desperate to be heard, desperate to be unique and different. Um, And and I think that um, nobody really gets excited and says, my my three greatest attributes uh, are, are X, Y, and that I'm common, like common's not one of the things that people want to be known for. So I think uh, finding, finding out how we can lead ourselves to an uncommon and extraordinary life is probably something pretty exciting. I would encourage everybody to, to take a moment, go to Amazon, go to wherever books are sold, where you're most comfortable getting a book and get yourself a copy of Sustainable Excellence by our new friend, Terry. Terry, before we let you go, um, I always try to ask our guests, you know, we got to learn, I think, a little bit through your success and through your journey and through your experience, through your endeavors, through your training. But one of the things that I love to ask guests about is, is maybe what is something that you failed at? Um, because one of my great mentors is, is John Maxwell. Um, and, and you want to talk about an author, right? A hundred plus books on leadership. He might know one or two things. And he's famously known for, for his book. Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Um, And so I I love to find out what successful people like yourself have learned because they dropped the ball or because they skinned their knee, uh, you know, going down the bumpy road. Was there one or two things where you thought, well, I'm I'm certainly not going to do it that way again. (laughs) And, uh, and maybe we can glean some insight from you from that experience. Yeah, I, I, when I originally started my, my school security consulting business, um, I'm trying to think which one I want to, I, you know, I, I had people that were um, 
people wanted things a certain way. You know, uh, when you when you tell people that they have a deficiency in safety or security, that starts to get into a, a really kind of dark area of you know potential litigation and things like that. And so I was kind of I went was going with the flow where people were like the way I, I would negotiate with a school. And, and then there were times where people were like, "Well, no, we want to nego- We want you to negotiate with uh, our our attorneys." And and I and I did that a couple times. And then I had another security consultant said, "No, because you don't understand. If you if you say that there's an issue here, but you don't put it in your report, and you know because the legal team says no, we don't want that in there because if that if that ever were to happen, then somebody would come back and sue us." then you're the one that's liable. So I got mm. to a point where I, I actually threatened to walk away from different jobs because I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to put my, I, I mean, I didn't have business insurance or anything back then. I, I was, you know, it was just me. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was making decent money. So I, I, I didn't have a lot of money to cover sort of incidentals like insurance. And I thought, you know, if I get sued, in, in, in a situation like this, I'm in real trouble. So I kind of, you know, I want to be a nice guy. I want to get along. I want, I want to help you. But then you get to a point where you're like, you know what? It, it's my butt on the line now. And it's my family who potentially may be on the line. So it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to do it the way, you know, I'm the expert. I, some yeah. attorney, who, you know, went to law school. He doesn't know or she doesn't know what a school should have in terms of security. So that that was kind of one thing that really I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to, I am going to fail if I continue down this road. I'm going to yeah. get in a situation where I may have to go bankrupt and I may, I may get sued personally. So I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going to go over here. Even though it's going to upset people, I have to do what's right for my family. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's, um, that's noble. I, I think that when we make personal sacrifices um, on, the, on the other side of most of those personal sacrifices, there's always something that's more valuable, uh, that's, that's more sustainable than the sacrifice we had to invest in the first place. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that Terry. I I want to give you one more or are you? Oh, please. I, well, I thought it was kind of funny because you were like, I'm thinking about which one I want to give, right. Which is another sign of, of massive success. The most successful people I know are like, wait a minute. I have a spiral notebook of all the things I've messed up at. Right. It's the folks that go, I haven't made any mistakes. Those are the people I have a real hard time listening to. I don't know. uh, but I saw you trying to go through the Rolodex in your mind of which one. Uh, yeah, give us another one for sure. So this this was when I was very young. I, I, I when I was uh, fourteen years old, thirteen years old, I was six foot five, and I remember going to a basketball camp. And because I was so tall, I had the option. I was given the option of working with the kids that were my age, who were much shorter and probably not as developed as I was, or working with the older kids. And so I decided to work with the older kids. Well, at the end of the session, they had different competitions, free throw shooting and and different things like that. And so I, again, I was given the choice. Do you want to compete against your, your, your age appropriate kids, or do you want to, you know, compete against the kids you've been competing with all week? And of course, you know, I I want to win. I want to be successful. I'm going to compete with the younger kids because I'm sure I'm going to, you know, and I ended up having a free throw shooting contest and I lost. And I remember a coach came up to me and he put his arm around me and he's like, I know why you competed with this group, but I'm telling you right now, I believe that if you would have competed against the older kids, 
you probably would have won that. And I thought yeah. about that. And what I've learned over the years is, you know, what, the better the competition you go up against, whether it's in business, you know, whether it's in law enforcement, whether it's in sports, you raise your game. And, yeah. and I didn't realize that when I was 13 years old. I, I, you know, I had no idea about that. But the mental aspect of, hey, that team is really good. You always see it. I mean, you know, whoever the best team is, I don't care if you're in the cellar, you're bringing your A game to play that team. So they always have to bring their A game. And, and I realized that at that point, it was like, no, I, from now on, I'm going to compete against things that are harder, not things that are easier in my life. You know, I, I think that people only rise to an occasion uh, when and only when there's an occasion worth rising to, right? And so, I, I mean, I, I get so frustrated um, and as a business coach, I deal with folks and we, we, we talk about something similar, Terry, but we talk about, let's not have a race to the bottom, right? Like let, let's all compete on being the cheapest price. Um, you know, and, and when we, when we're trying to, when we don't go against, well, that company, it's tougher, it's harder, their marketing's better. You know, I'll take this easier route. Um, but you're talking about, you learned, uh, in that moment and, and likely carried it on that. Uh, you knew you had to compete against something bigger, taller than you, and it would it would cause you to really step up, to stretch, to grow. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terry, I'm so grateful that you decided to do our show. Uh, tell everybody again a little bit how they can connect with you, uh, the, the website, the, the the best email addresses, the locations that you want them to go after this show to take an actionable step. You know. As a motivational uh, person myself, uh, you probably feel the same way. We, we love getting people jazzed up. We love teaching them something. We love making them feel good. But nothing's more deflating to me, and this might be true for you, Terry, than when when somebody has all that and then they go do nothing about it, yeah. right? When, when the motivation doesn't last the drive home from the conference that you went to. So I know folks are motivated <laughs> and I know that they've learned a thing or two here from you. How do they take action after this podcast and further connect with you or, or stay engaged and better their lives? So I have, I have a blog. I, I put up a thought for the day uh, every day. And, and on Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or a story. And I know people's time is at a premium. So everything is usually short. You need a quick hit of inspiration or motivation. My site is motivationalcheck. Dot com. Motivational check is all one word. You can leave me a message there. You can get access to my social media sites. You can even uh, buy the book through uh, Amazon on my site. My email, if you want to send it to me directly, I'm kind of old school. It's motivationalcheck at AOL.com. I'm still using the AOL. So uh, those are the best ways to connect with me. I love it. Our, our new, uh, new best friend, right? Don't tell any of the past guests. Okay. I don't need any heat here, but our new best friend, Terry Tucker, Terry, thank you so much. We hope you'll come back and do the show in the future. Thank you, Titus. I appreciate being on. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.